Hello, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. Back-to-back recordings. Uh, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, services, streaming, wherever you get podcasts, you'll find this very show. Let's keep it in the top 100. Let's keep pushing for top 50. Let's push for top 10 MLB shows. I need the Lockdown Guardians team to jump in and help, and let's keep pushing, keep with those positive reviews, keep with the downloading daily. It helps our show. So let's start with what I promised in the Sunday Makeup Show, which is let's talk about there was a bit of news that the Miami Marlins had had some talks with Michael Conforto. This is interesting for a few things. One, trying to figure out where Conforto is going to land is a little bit hard. There's some talk like with the Astros, some talk with some other teams. People think the Indians, I mean, maybe if they got rid of draft pick compensation, which could conceivably happen. We talked about that could be part of the new CBA. If that goes away, I think it's more likely... The Indians put so much value on those draft picks in that pool that even though it wouldn't cost them, it would cost them like their third rounder, I want to say, maybe their fourth, I still have a hard time seeing them pay a lot of money plus lose picks. Uh, I have a lot, a hard time seeing them pay a lot of money in general. Let's be honest. It's going to be hard to find them. I think, you know, the people out there who were like mad at me about, oh, they're going to spend, they're going to spend, they're going to spend all of this, uh, you know, <laughs> we saw they're not like... Which is not the way of it. The the MLB trade rumors piece was just... I love that website. I go there all the time. But that piece on the Indians was just... It was junk. It was There's no way around it. It was a junk piece. Because it's like, well, they're going to spend... Hey, they have in the past spent up this way. Maybe they'll spend this much. It's like, well, do you not know what's going on with this organization? Uh, you are just without any basis of knowledge, information, or anything other than previous spending saying, hey, if they at least spend $100 million, they're not getting close to $100 million. Like That's, that's the move-on point. Uh, again, not to bury someone. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I say incorrect things about an organization if I don't cover them a ton. So while I talk about the Marlins here, you can probably go ahead if you're a Marlins fan and rip me to pieces because I'm probably getting some, some things wrong. But the Marlins on paper are fascinating. I say on paper because actually they got very little production last year. If you go and you look at Fangraph's uh, war, uh, Starling Marte was worth 3.4 war, highest on the team. Miguel Rojas, who they just gave a new contract to, was worth 2.8. And that's, I mean, he's an average, league average player offensively. He doesn't hit for power. Uh, He doesn't really get on base at a good rate. He is a good defender, and that's where his value comes. Jazz Chisholm, who was up for about 124 games, was almost at a 2. Again, right about a league average bat, below average defense. M. Duvall might have gotten there if they hadn't traded him. Brian Anderson got hurt. He might have gotten there. Jesus, Ag- Jesus, no, Jesus Aguilar. Uh, remember all those pieces. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, Bernie Plechkov. I, you know, he, he has an axe to grind with Cleveland, and you had to love. I mean, he never came back to say anything after. Uh, Jesus Aguilar had that great two month stretch, and then it kind of shut down. And that has been the story of his career. He is a first-half player, not a second-half player. And there's a reason why he's on, what, his second, third organization since he left the Indians. He's just, he's not good enough. Uh, I was kind of shocked. I think the Marlins should not have kept him. Uh, His arbitration, I wouldn't pay him multiple millions. He's a bad defender at first base. And consistently, yeah, is he above league average hitter? Yes. Is he enough? Not enough for me to want to pay a lot of money, especially because the first base market is always so flooded. But enough about that. But Aguilar was worth 1.2. Yes, his defense was an issue, but his offense wasn't enough. Uh, Brian De La Cruz, who they got uh, from Houston, I can't remember who they traded to Houston at the time, he actually played pretty well in his audition in center field for them. And then, uh, I mean, those are really the big pieces. They're... 
Corey Dickerson. I'm not sure if they're still paying him or not. Uh, if they are, uh, I hope they realize it just didn't work out. Time to move on. Pitching-wise, they're fantastic. Trevor Rogers. I was the biggest anti-Trevor Rogers player in his class. He had two really good pitches, uh, but I was there was control issues. He His walk rate was a little bit high, but it wasn't terrible. 133 innings. He was also super old for his class. Like He was a player who was... Uh, he was going to turn 20 in the summer. Okay, so I, I was always old. Like, I started my senior year at 18 because uh, I have a summer birthday. I was always the old kid. Trevor Rogers was 19 at the start of his senior year of high school, right? That's how much older that he was than the everybody else. So that also stood out. Uh, it didn't come for it. Was he like New Mexico, I want to say, or somewhere maybe a little non-traditionally? But I was down on him, and I was wrong. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, I didn't love him because of control issues. I mean, the Marlins might be an underrated developmental team for pitching, right? Alcantara was great. Pablo Lopez in only 100 innings was solid. Dylan Florio as a reliever was really good for them. Zach Thompson, who they traded for Jacob Stallings, looked good. Richard Blyer, who's bounced around the league forever, had a strong season. Anthony Bender, I wasn't really all that familiar with. Uh, And he, he was good. John Curtis was solid enough. Adam Simber... Uh, they, you know, claimed him. The Indians let him go. We talked about Simber last week in terms of the uh, the draft prospect, or not draft prospects, in terms of top pitches and how he had two of the top 10 pitches in baseball by Stuff Plus. Uh, the Marlins got him back on track and then turned him into a tradable asset. So good on the Marlins. I mean, they, they've done a nice job. And their pitching continues to stay stacked. Uh, we mentioned Blyer, Bender, and Florio. Those are their three main components of their bullpen. They're starting pitching for next year. I believe, you know, you're hoping everyone's going to be healthy. Sixto Sanchez comes back if everything works out. I'm not sure when he's due off the disabled list, but you have Alcantara, Rogers, Lopez at the top. Uh, Elisar Hernandez had a bit of an up-and-down year. He had a much better year the year before. Rule 5 pick, side note. Uh, but I believe there are some health issues for him. And then you've got, you know, Jesus Aguilar is... Not Aguilar. <laughs> different Jesus. They're collecting Jesus as Lizardo. He's been overrated. Right, he is a lefty who throws hard, and that gets overrated. I don't think he has a whole lot of spin on his pitches. I don't think he has a lot of movement. He gets picked out. His hit, he gets hit way too easily. He was the former first round pick by Washington. He was part of that. Like he was the cent- basically the antithesis of everything the Indians do. Right, which was it was like Luzardo for like Doolittle and multiple other pieces. They got like three pieces for him. Everyone loved it at the time because he was a top 25 prospect. Well, he's not turned into much. And to get Marte, he was a centerpiece in that deal. I think he might end up being best as a reliever. Now, you might say, hey, he's young. And I'll, yeah, I can accept that. But he's, he's young, but he's been around. He's been close for a while and has not made that final step. Again, he's going to an organization that seems to do well with young arms. So maybe it'll work out. Uh, maybe I'll look foolish in a year like I did with Alcantara and Rogers. Very possible. But even if it doesn't work out, you know, they still have Max Meyer, who got up the AAA this year and looked good in his climb. Uh, you know, healthy Sixto Sanchez should naturally be their fifth. Edward Cabrero is a high prospect who also maybe they have him start as a pen arm, maybe he starts in AAA, maybe he's a reliever. Those are some really interesting arms. They still have starting pitching depth. Let's put it that way. They still are in a very good place in terms of their pitching depth. Depth, Honestly, like when Sixto is healthy, maybe you start the year with Lizardo as your five, and when Sixto is ready... He slots in, or and you have Cabrera start the year in AAA. I, we can you can figure it out, but they have the depth to get there. Uh, their bullpen probably needs to get a little more fleshing out after those top three. I don't know how much you trust the like of Anthony Bass or Zach Pop. 
Uh, they're the ones who went and made that trade at the deadline for Lewis Head for essentially cash, right, from the from the Rays. And that's interesting that they made that trade. They could have probably just gotten Head and uh, Joey Wendell for um, for the when they shipped out Cameron Meisner. I bet you that would have been an acceptable deal. Uh, the non-tendered Lewis Brinson, who was the centerpiece of the Yelich deal. They traded away Jorge Alfaro, who was supposed to be a bat-first catcher who didn't hit enough. And, of course, they made the big trade of Kyle Nicholas and Zach Thompson to the Pirates for uh, Jacob Stallings, the catcher. Who Did he win the Gold Glove this year in the National League? He might have. I'm trying to remember. If not, he was nominated. Uh, he was someone I liked for the Indians repeatedly. And, you know, Thompson was a proven starter. He was a proven starter in the big leagues. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be more in a mid or back end, but he's a proven starter, and that's incredibly valuable. Nichols, Nicholas is uh, probably a reliever, chances a starter. And then Meisner was someone the Rays of Lake for a while, and uh, they cleared runs. So why am I spending all this time on the Marlins? Well, you're going to have to come back after our first commercial break and find out the where, what, why, and why, again, I'm deciding to do a Marlins focus show. Built Bar, they are our sponsor. They are someone I shop from, buy from. I love Built Bar. Tis the holiday season. Grab a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar filled up with so much holiday goodness, rich with a decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs and fat, and high in protein. You get the the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors. Raspberry, mint, raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies or cream, eggnog, and gingerbread right now. Built Bar gives you that extra energy, that extra fuel to help you get through the holidays. Your friends with Santa, how about tell him to throw a few Built Bar in those stockings? How about leaving a Built Bar for Santa to help give him some energy on his big night? Do you like marshmallow treats? Well, I can tell you personally, I like all of their cheesecake flavors. They have many of those. Those puffs are marshmallow-based, and even though they're marshmallow-based, they're still high in protein and very good for you and delicious. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. And as I told you earlier, that goes on top of other sales. So if you want to go get gingerbread, go get pumpkin, you can get an additional 15% off using the promo code LOCKED15. So I know what you're thinking. This is Locked On Guardians, not Locked On Marlins, why are we spending all this time? Because we're going to get there. Give me time. Be patient. Trust me. So the Marlins are bad for a point there, and they built up some prospects. Now, they also traded away from that backstop of backstop. No, they traded away from their prospects recently. Uh, they're mostly pitching and outfielders. Now, the question is like J.J. Blade from Vandy. I mean, I was very high on him. I was like, okay, I'll look past the fact that like no Vandy hitter has been successful in the majors outside of Dansby Swanson. And he has been a bit of a disappointment when you consider he was the first overall pick. And that's, you know, Brendan Rodgers. That's Alex Bregman. That's a pretty good class where he was the top selection. But uh, I look past that. Now, he, uh, Blade, had a pretty bad year in AA. His stock is significantly lower right now. But Peyton Burdick had a down year as well. And we're going to talk about him a bit. Wright State guy uh, who got up to AAA this year. You know, this is what's crazy. I need to double check. So Blade was draft. Were they the same draft class? Let's see, 2019 and 2019. Yeah, one was the small school kid from Ohio. The other was the big player from Bandy, and uh, one is lapped the other. Uh, we'll get into that. That's gonna be part of our show. We're gonna talk about the outfield situation because that's what we have to talk about. So the Marlins so far went out and gave an ill-advised contract to Avisel Garcia. Very ill-advised, in my opinion, the worst contract given out so far. 
Uh, they gave uh, Miguel Rojas maybe a three-year extension. I can't remember. Age 32, that's a little risky. But at the same time, he's defense first. Shortstops are expensive. I don't have a huge issue there. Jazz Chisholm is slotted in to go to second base with his ceiling upside and potential. You traded Zach Allen for him. You need to give him an opportunity. Uh, Jesus Aguilar at first base. We'll see. Uh, Jesus Sanchez in left field is interesting. Uh because, like we said, right field is Avicel Garcia. Jesus, Jesus, man, another Jesus for them. They are the team that collects Jesuses. I didn't even think about it. I believe he came over from the Rays originally, and I thought he was a really uh, good ad for them. I was shocked that the Rays gave him up. I can't remember exactly what the deal was. There was defensive issues, but this past season, you know, he got to play in where the 64 games, 251 plate appearances, and he had a runs created plus of 116. 251, 319, 49, walked 8% of the time, did strike out 31% of the time. There is, this is a relatively small sample size. Uh, it's not something you can dig too much in, but this is a guy who at points was a top 50 prospect in baseball. Always had a, a you know, hit rated as a potential plus hit tool to average hit tool. You know, raw power was there to be above average. Uh, he was liked by a lot of people. He was worth 0.6 war a year ago. Uh, 2020, he got a slight, slight look. All of 29 plate appearances, and that didn't go well, but you really can't take anything from that data. So Sanchez is interesting because he performed well. Uh, Bat Pip with 316 shows he probably was a little bit lucky because he's not like a speed demon type, and the defensive numbers weren't great. Honestly, if they added Conforto, I would expect Sanchez to move to a DH position. He's probably the most set up to do that. Um, there is some talk of maybe a platoon situation for him with Garrett Cooper, I want to say. Uh, we'll talk Garrett Cooper more in a bit because Sanchez is a lefty. Now, when you go and you look at his numbers this past year, it is small sample size. So that's that's out there. But it's a de- it's not like a month. This is 65 games. It's a third of a season. There's some you can take from it. Uh, very small sample size against lefties because... He just there are less lefties to begin with, but his numbers are almost identical in terms of splits. So some of that talk about platooning, I wouldn't necessarily jump into that because the data doesn't show that that is a hundred percent necessary as of yet. Uh, he performed equally against both sides. It, the numbers across the line look okay. Center field, we talked about Brian De La Cruz. He played well. Again, the sample size is very small, so I don't know if he's necessarily the answer in center field. A lot of people who are Houston people. Uh, who I trust liked him quite a bit and were happy to see him kind of get an opportunity and get out. And, you know, maybe he'll perform well. Maybe this will keep going. I mean, the minor league numbers from the past few years were solid. Uh, the defensive rating, at least over here on Fangrass, which again, we should probably look at Savant for true uh, defensive value, uh, wasn't great. I, I don't know if he's their answer in center field. But, and here's the, you know, the, the but the, the center field is always hard to find. You know, that's why the Indians getting Miles Straw was a stroke of luck at the cheap cost. It's hard to find a center fielder. Now, the roster resource page has Brian Anderson as their starting third baseman. Anderson had shoulder issues. He might be better off in the outfield. Also, they went out and traded a significant piece, and they're going to pay $4 million to Joey Wendell, who was nominated for the Gold Glove and was an above-league average bat. I don't think you trade for Joey Wendell to then have him sit on your bench. So I think he slots into third base. Brian Anderson is, you know, it, maybe he's the DH. Anderson is someone Indians fans have asked about for years and years and years. And no, I don't mean the former pitcher who, did he end up with the Marlins? I can't remember. The, uh, was it the Angels to the Indians? You know, uh, 
I won't get into. Let's move on. But last year in his injury year, Brian Anderson still had a runs created plus of 99. Before that, a 121, a 114, and a 113. Now he is entering his age 29 year, and he's coming off of uh, shoulder surgery, which not ideal. I, it's his left shoulder. He's a right-handed bat, so maybe you're like, oh, okay, it's not as bad as it can be. But he'd been, you know, he's a guy who debuted, debuted at age 24, really got his first chance at age 25. And those first two years, and even that strike-shortened year, now he always was actually a pretty good defender. His defensive values and fan graphs are positive. 2020, the number was a negative. He doesn't strike out too much. He doesn't, how should I put this? He is beautifully average to above. He doesn't do anything great, but he doesn't do anything poor. He is just right across that line. And why is it beautiful? Because he produces. He is a guy who maybe was never the biggest name, as you know we talked about on some other players, but he has just always been solid. He has been a solid steady bat. He is going to be arbitration eligible after the 2022 season, and then he is a free agent after the 2023 season. So he has two seasons left. Could he conceivably be someone that uh, they're willing to trade? Maybe. Like if they don't have a natural spot, if they decide that Jay, you know to hold on to Sanchez, uh, if the DH comes, I mean, if the DH doesn't come, all of a sudden they have to figure out like where he plays, where Sanchez plays. If they added Conforto, all of a sudden, I, mean, I guess you could try Conforto in center. He played it at points with the Mets. It was not good. Uh, you could then put players around him and just go all offense, no defense. I believe he also played it in college. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. It's like Oregon State, maybe. I think he was a beaver. But again, that's not your ideal. Uh, but if they do that, again, those are, you know, Anderson and Sanchez, one of them doesn't have a role. And it depends, you know, how quickly the baseball season occurs, how quickly everything can, can happen, and how quickly uh, he can come back from injury. I do want to quickly point out before we go into our next break here, I was very excited to look at this roster and see Nick Fortes on it. I hadn't checked back in a while. I was such a fan of his out of Old Miss. I thought he was a great selection when they took him in the fourth round of that same 2018 draft that they took. You know, 2019 was the Bliday draft with uh, with the other one, but still, Fortes had great numbers in college. Uh, I like he's listed as a catcher slash DH. Is a backup catcher. I, I think this is he is a fun ad for them, and he was really productive in the smallest sample size that you can take no nothing from. But uh, I just like seeing him up in the big leagues. We're going to come back after the sponsor break and talk about a guy who's been really productive when he's healthy and a local kid who maybe the Indians could do what they love to do and buy on a guy whose value is down. Bet online has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use their promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Let's keep talking about the Marlins. Let's let's keep this locked on Guardians slash locked on Marlins. I do want to thank you again for making Locked On Guardians your first listen, free and available wherever you get podcasts. Any app, service, streaming, you can find us free there to talk about your team. And remember to download daily, rate and review. That helps our show grow. And check out the other great Locked On Cleveland podcasts. So let's get back to the Marlins. With this team, there are three tabs I have open. So the first one, let's get into the injured player that is interesting, but I really don't know what you do with. 
And that's Garrett Cooper. I mentioned him briefly before and said we'd get back to him. Garrett Cooper is 30 years of age. He has played right field, first base, and DH. He was a sixth-round pick of the Brewers, and he had a season-ending surgery to repair a partial tear in his UCL in the middle of July. So how long is a UCL recovery from? I'm not entirely sure. I feel like it can vary depending on the you know, the severity. It's a partial tear. Maybe it could come back sooner. But the thought and the things I read about him were that he would be ready for next season. Cooper health has been a continued issue for his career. He has only once appeared in over 100 games. Uh, this year, 71 games was the second highest amount. Over his entire career, though, he has 239 games, 887 plate appearances, and a 119 runs created plus. He has walked 8% of the, nearly 9% of the time with a 26% strikeout, and his bat pip for his career is 362. So while his batting average, he's a 282 hitter, and you're like, okay, so he's waiting to fall apart. I mean, maybe because these are smallish sample sizes throughout, but this could also be a guy who's just a good hitter, who's a good athlete, who can't stay healthy. He's a strong player who, you know, plus power is there. Uh, he Max exit velocity was high this past year, pulling up his data. In 2020, uh, his, we don't have defensive rate because he's mostly a DH, but like his hard hit percentage is in the green. His expected slugging was 89th percentile. His expected batting average was 95th. His expected weighted on base, 90th percentile. Like this is a player that advanced stats love. He's 6'5", 235, strongly built. Go back to 2019. Expecting batting average 71st, expected slugging 63. Outs above average, playing first base 82nd. He was a good defender as a first baseman. Again, when he could stay healthy. Uh, right-handed bat. I know it's not quite the need it once was, but max exit velocity has always been high. And, I mean, long story short, when he is in, he's healthy. It's just, can you count on him to be in? He doesn't have a natural home right now with the Brewers. I mean, one could say, hey, we'll put him in at DH. But again, we talked about Brian Anderson and J uh, Jesus Sanchez. They have to figure it out. Now maybe they want to start divesting themselves of Jesus's to be less confusing. But if you're holding in it, specifically, if I was the Marlins, I know Cooper can't stay healthy. But I would not pay Aguilar millions of dollars when I have Cooper there, when he has been productive. Now, again, you're worried about, can we ever take the bubble wrap off? But in 71 games this year, 1.1 war. That's with negative defensive values. His offensive value is, in 2020, it was a 133 runs created plus. This year, 134. Offensively, there's nothing to worry about. Especially if Ramo Reyes is, you know, in international play and can be a below-average defender. That's all we need, below-average defender. Then just put Cooper as the DH and just leave him there. You know, give him... Very few opportunities for wear and tear. Just let him hit and rake. And that's what he does. Uh, now, he is the first player I want to mention just because, you know, the production is there. He is also just a two-year guy, 2022-2023. But due to the constant injuries, uh, he is the, – the overall cost cannot be super high on him. Again, highly productive when he plays, but can he play? And that's that's what it comes down to. Can he play? Now, some of this, like I said, I talked about the injuries. 2019 was 107 games due to injuries. Uh, 2018 was 27 games due to injuries. I'm sorry, that no. Uh, let's see, he was in 14 games due to injuries. He only played 16 in the minors. It's Milwaukee to New York and then New York to Miami. He's tra well-traveled because you know the tools are obvious. So Garrett Cooper, highly fascinating to me. 
big, strong, again, just put him in the DH spot and let the guy go. You go and you look at that 2020 data again, expected batting average 95th, expected slugging 89th, and he's walking nearly 9% of the time. That's why his expected weighted on base percentage is 90th percentile. Top 10 percentile players in baseball in expected production. That's, I mean, he, he barrels it. He doesn't whiff a lot. His walk rate is only 40th percentile. It's not high, but it's not terrible. His strikeout rate is also is 45th percentile. He doesn't strike out too much. He doesn't, sprint speed is the only thing that's in the blue, and that's 26th percentile. He is a highly productive player. Give me Garrett Cooper. So before we try to figure out a deal, let's talk about the other player I want to discuss with them, Peyton Burdick. So Peyton Burdick is from Wright State. He was a third-round pick who... A year ago, I mean, probably two years ago at this time, would have been uh, a lot more highly thought of. He slid down their list a little. He's from Batavia, Ohio. And the reason he slid down was after missing the 2020 season, this year he started the year in AA, had a very small cup of coffee in AAA. In AA, 106 games, 406 plate appearances. He had a 137 runs created plus. Uh, That's solid. Now, the year before, in 2019, he had a 172. So in A-ball, he absolutely demolished it. But he walked 16% of the time this past year, struck out 29% of the time. 231 average, 376 on base, 472 slugging. He had 23 home runs. So the power is there. He runs well. There's good physical tools. He's, uh, I mean, you put him kind of, I don't think I'd call him a plus runner, but he's not, you know, I guess he's the traditional 55. Uh, if you're kind of looking at that, he played multiple outfield spots, but you probably want to put him in left long term, uh, right handed bat. But he's a strong kid. He's a strong kid who hits for a lot of power and was one of those who was viewed to be an ascending player. Then COVID happened. And then this year, again, he, it's viewed as a down year as a 24 year old in double A to have a 137 runs created plus. He had a down year. He is viewed in a lesser light in almost every prospect ranking than he was at this time a year ago. He was, because he was supposed to break out. And instead of breaking out, he wasn't as productive as he was in high A, which, I mean, that's understandable. But he he hit for power. He walked. He's probably never going to be a big average guy, but the the profile is there. And when you, again, you look at the Miami Marlins prospects, we talked about they've already got a logjam now, right? they talked about especially if they go out and add someone uh with with garcia and sanchez and anderson all likely in that outfield and de la cruz and garrett cooper burdick is interesting you know in the regard that you don't have to add him to your i believe he's not on their 40 man yet right he was drafted in 19 20 21 yeah he doesn't have to be added to the end of next year so if you do acquire him and if he plays well enough to play his way onto the roster then great but you don't have to worry about it right now He's not someone you have to roster in the moment. Uh, additionally, you know, it, that's that's always a big bonus for the Indians. And additionally, it's just it is a bonus based on where they are. But additionally, you know, just talking about this uh, Miami team, we talked about J.J. Blade in passing. Blade this past year, still viewed as a higher prospect, played with um, Burdick in, in AA. J.J. Uh, Blade, 212 average, 323 on base, 373 slugging, 97 runs created plus. Uh, he had he walked almost 14% of the time, struck out almost 22% of the time. Batpip showed he was unlucky. Uh, that was in 468 plate appearances. But it is interesting where this shows you draft positioning, right? And, and Blade is, 
you know, better defender and he's bigger. And, you know, he had that great season at, at Vandy. But again, I mean, Vandy, Vandy has not produced hitters. They've just not. There's not many great. I, one, for the longest time, the most successful hitter from Vanderbilt was Pedro Alvarez, uh, if you remember him, who was with the Pirates for a while. Uh, but yeah, uh, Blade just has not, didn't perform as well, but one of these guys is a top 100 prospect and the other is a player who is, uh, more viewed as having taken a step back, even though the player who is the less valued player, the less well thought of player had a runs created plus that was what? 40 points higher, right? Am I doing my math correctly? Uh, so yeah, I, I, what do the Marlins need? Is that where we are now? Should we get back to it? We're running out of time. The Marlins as a team likely need what the Indians have too many of, and that's relievers. You know, they went out and they added Lewis Head to their 40-man because they thought that he would be an upgrade over some of their other options. Uh, I mean, this is the situation where I'm always like, does Karen Chalk have trade value? Would a team that has had success with guys with control issues think that they can kind of buy low? That you know, if the Indians were to ask for something like Peyton Burdick and Garrett Cooper for James Karen should I go? Ch- I'll go check the bad trade value site. We'll go see what that thinks of that trade. But like, is that something that makes sense? So, Burdick has a value of eight point five, Cooper a four point three, Karen check a thirteen point one. So it's thirteen point one versus twelve point eight. Yes, it makes sense for both sides. And if you think the Karen Chalk isn't going to rebound, then you're getting a guy who can slot in as a DH. Uh, again, you just want him at DH because he had problems staying healthy. But a guy who's potentially one of the, you know top 10th percentile of batters when healthy and an outfielder who has hit for power and been extremely productive at every level who's also an Ohio kid is a bonus for a reliever who uh, seemed to have lost it a year ago I do this deal every day of the week tell me what you think let me know hit me up at Jeff MLB draft I want to know do you do Karen Chalk for Burdick and Cooper if you are a Marlins fan do you do that do you consider that I want to hear from both sides so hit me up over there uh, remember to rate and review helps our show grow And as always, as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.